Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine, and we hope you'll continue learning and sipping along with us. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast, Wines We Drink, where we do exactly that. Drink wine, and we talk about it. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Keith Herndon, a certified wine sommelier. I don't think that'll get old saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Charlotte, and hello to all of our listeners out there. I'm excited to be back for season two, and I'm really excited to be recording today's episode at Tapped Wine Bar, our host for the first three episodes of this season. Yeah, this is such a nice venue to relax, drink some wine, have some great wine conversations. We launched our second season with the setup uh, episode last week, which included a wonderful interview with Todd Hurt, the tapped proprietor. So if you missed that episode, you can find it along with all of season one, wherever you get your podcasts. So with season two opener behind us today, we start drinking wine. Keith, what have you selected for us? Uh, We're jumping into this season with a an old world varietal. We're heading to Greece for a classic white grape known as Assyrtico. That's spelled A-S-S-Y-R-T-I-K-O. Some people may pronounce it as Assyrtico, but I've most often heard it in the United States pronounced as Assyrtico. Uh, wine from this grape was rare and and relatively obscure in the U.S. for a long time. But in recent years, uh, there has been what Decanter Magazine called an almost cult-like following springing up around this varietal. And and I think we can now say that it is is going mainstream. Hmm. Well, that sounds promising. I mean, what led to this wine's newfound popularity? Well, I think like a lot of white wines from the Mediterranean region, Assyrtico has bright acidity, uh, that's that's offset somewhat by some minerality. Uh, it is a more complex grape that brings texture and character to the wine uh, that consumers are just falling in love with. That that complex wine that many people would say, oh, it's this acidic summer white wine that people think of as simple, but this wine is not simple. Well, and with this southern heat, I'm. This sounds great, right? Sounds like a great summer sipper. Uh, I'm eager to open a bottle, give it a try. So specifically, which bottle of Assyrtico are we drinking today? Charlotte, we're opening a 2020 bottle from the Papaganikos Winery. There are many Greek wineries that do justice to this grape, but I'm partial to those who make this wine in stainless steel tanks with the aging occurring in the bottle. There is no oak in this winery's process, which results in a wine that is perfect to serve cold, really chilled on a summer day, and that makes it exquisitely refreshing. Wow. Well, let's dig in, shall we? So I've already popped the cork on this bottle just before we came on, and I'm going to now pour a couple of uh, glasses for us. What a beautiful sound it is. Wow. Yeah, the color of the wine is really interesting. It's like a straw, like a straw, pale yellow color. I wouldn't say it's golden. I would say it's it's quite yellow, uh, but it really kind of shimmers in the glass. It's like very bright looking as you were describing it. It's almost sort of shimmery. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's almost got a silver note to it. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> in the terms of the color. Right. You know, so, so, you know, when you're thinking about this color observation, uh, it looks like it should taste. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's bright with a lot of minerality. So, so give it a swirl and take in some of the aromas. What are you smelling? Mm. Yeah, you, you sort of immediately get that sensation of, you know, acidity, the citrus. It's, um, oh, yeah, it smells very um, floral, you know, like almost kind of a herby. And yeah, you, like I said, you can really, the acidity is really the punchy, the punchy part. Right. Well, you've hit the notes on the, of the aromas of this wine perfectly. You know, as I said earlier, those aromas are, are now, you know, you, your sight gave you some indication of what you're tasting. Now those aromas are telling your taste buds to get prepared for exactly what you're going to taste. So take that first sip and then, and then, you know, let me know what the fruit is that comes to mind there. Oh, wow. Yeah, you are right. That is a zesty first sip. I mean, the citrus, when we're talking about fruit, the citrus comes through immediately. Um, so, I mean, definitely orange, orangey lemon. There's, but I would say zest of the orange, maybe, first. Um, let me, I'm going to get another sip. <laughs> yeah, this is a really good wine to go in for a second sip. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is super tasty. I mean, it's, I'm still getting citrus. Right. Well, you know, that first sip is important. Yeah. But that follow-up taste allows you to discern so much more about that wine. So in that first sip, you talked about citrus, and then you just said you were getting that, that citrus vibe. What else are you sensing? Yeah, it's still, you know, the, the tartness that comes from citrus, it's very pleasant. It's not... Uh, anything that's going to give you the pucker, right? Like like drinking almost like limeade where you're puckering. It's not a pucker, but it is tart that kind of keeps it bright. Um, so yeah, maybe like, you know, a good lemon, like almost like a lemonade kind of situation. Oh, yeah, definitely some lemonade in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but not sweet lemonade. Not sweet lemonade, but not so incredibly tart that your lips are puckering together. Um, you know, there's something about the flavor that kind of... Um, cuts into it a little bit more almost like kind of kind of salty savory um yeah. maybe not savory maybe more salt yeah that saltiness is is definitely coming through i i would say that you know you brought your a game to the tasting room today charlotte <laughs> the papaganicos winery is located on the attican peninsula and a wine critic from seller selected when i was preparing the notes for today i, I was looking up some things and this wine uh, critic said the coastal selection, right, from this mm. winery, quote, infuses the wine with salinity and bracing acidity due to its proximity to the sea. Oh, wow. End quote. Yeah, no, that's actually spot on. I mean, it's I was imagining myself on the beach as I was <laughs> sipping. I mean, it's definitely, you kind of get transported because when you're sipping this wine, you get that tardiness immediately. Um, but then the last bit that I taste is that salt that kind of, um, you know, produces a lot of saliva in your mouth after you've swallowed. I mean, it is, it's just a really great uh, combination there. Um, you know, so yeah, perfect for sipping on the beach. Um, but let me turn this around into, into an educational question. What do you find so appealing about this bottle of wine? Well, I'm going to agree with you that I think it's a great beach sipper, but 
As I said earlier, sometimes you know we think of that as a description of a real simple wine, but this Assertico is anything but simple. You, you get layers of herbs, and when I when I drink the when I go in for that third and fourth sip, I, I'm starting to get that that taste of fennel. Ooh, there's that you know, which is kind of a that complexity that I was talking mm. about earlier, and then. Uh, I personally don't get this flavor. I don't sense it myself, but some critics also cite jasmine. Okay, yeah. Right? Um, and then that salinity that you mentioned, uh, I find that really, really uh, reminiscent of the olives that we also associate with Greece, right? And, yeah. and, this, and this wine has achieved that depth and complexity without ever spending any time in an oak barrel. And that's the crazy part to me. I mean, that whenever you were describing it, I was, I didn't know what to expect going into this, but it, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have guessed that it is unaged in an oak barrel when I tasted it. Right. There, there's no, there's no oaky tones to this yeah. at all, but the complexity, I think of this layers of herbs and, and, and some of those floral notes you know, give it a layer of something that you might not expect just from a wine that was uh, prepared in stainless steel tanks. Right, exactly. Yeah, you don't expect um, it to be as complex, just like a good beach read, like a book, <laughs> right? It's like it, it surprises you. Um, right. So, you know, in our opening last week, we set up the season as one where we're focusing on value too. So how is this wine as a value proposition? That's one of the things that we heard from our listeners loud and clear they really wanted us to introduce them to wines that had great value. So when I was preparing this season and looking at the various uh, uh, wines that are available to us out there, the thousands of wines that we could be drinking, you know, I wanted to find those that represent this value proposition. So Wine Access said this 2020 Papaganicos Assertico is without a doubt one of the great bargains on the white wine market. Uh, this reviewer compared its quality to a great French Chablis or Sincere and said that, quote, if it bore the name of one of these well-known regions, it would cost twice as much. Wow. Charlotte, you should be able to find this wine for around $25 a bottle, and that is an absolute steal for this quality and complexity. You know, I like to look up the uh, wines on the Vivino app mm -hmm. because that's a consumer tool that a lot of consumers use. And this uh, uh, vintage uh, ranks among the top 10% of wines in the world. This quality at this price is a great value proposition. Wow. I feel, you know, very ahead of the trend by drinking it. I mean, you said, and you said we would be emphasizing value this season. And obviously this wine delivers for $25 a bottle. That's definitely more up my street. Um, before we take our break, is there anything else you want to say about this wine? Uh Yes, I also want to remind our listeners that we choose the wines we drink on this episode, on the show, and in the episode today, because we drink it. We don't have any skin in the game. We're not getting any royalties for if you go out and buy this bottle somewhere. You know, it's not going to come back to us. We we're, we're not being paid. They're not a sponsor. So you know, we uh, use some journalistic, I guess, uh, values in terms of the wines that we pick. They're the wines that I like to drink that uh, I want to introduce to our listeners, right? So with that said, you know, I don't think I've said enough about the winery itself. You know, the Papaganagos family began making wine in 1919, and the winery is now on its third generation of family leadership. You know, but they don't let their history dictate how 
um, their wine is made, right? They have a new state-of-the-art facility that embraces what they call, quote, bioclimatic architecture and engineering. So, you know, I think it's refreshing when we see an old family, you know, an old wine family adjust to these new environmentally friendly production methods. Yeah, I mean, for, for a company being over 100 years old and having been making wine for more than 100 years, you'd think they would kind of cling to those traditions, but it is really refreshing to see them welcoming these new methods. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great wine and you can feel good about it while you're drinking it. So bravo across the board for me. <laughs> right. uh, we're going to take a short break and come back with this season's new feature, our pairing period. I can't wait. Okay, welcome back to our second episode of the second season. You are now listening to our pairing period where we talk about pairing the wines we drink with appropriate foods. Wines, uh, Charlotte, are meant to be part of our meals, and it's so important to think about the characteristics uh, of your wine and the, the flavor characteristics of the wine, and we find foods that complement those characteristics. You know, one rule of thumb I like to emphasize is to think local. You know, wines made in a particular locale tend to pair nicely with foods from the same locale. Right. It's kind of common sense. Right? right. They were, you know, the history there, the tradition of that. So when it comes to pairing a cheese with our Greek assertico, think about feta and halloumi, mm. both really Greek cheese. Right. So, Charlotte, during the break, I place some halloumi cheese on some crackers. So I'd like to ask you to please take a bite of those cheese crackers and then follow it up with a sip of our wine today. OK. Mm. Going in with a sip. Oh, wow. Mm. That is such a good combination. I mean, we talked earlier about the salinity and the minerality that comes through in this wine, and that works so well with this halloumi. It's creamy but salty, um, and it just makes for a great a great combo together. Yes, in this case, you are pairing compatible flavors, essentially from the same locale, and they work so well together. Yeah, I mean, the cheese... The cheese really is a great a great pairing um, for it. It reminds me a lot of like a saltier, creamier mozzarella. You know, it's kind of the same texture. Um, but yeah, that saltiness just pairs so well with the citrus. You know, so what else What else would you say would work with this wine other than the halloumi? Well, I'm having my little bite now. I'm yeah. going to have a little sip of this wine. You know, every time I, I, I try this pairing, I just sense the... How much this wine brings, you know, depth and complexity that allows it to work well with a lot of different types of foods. You, you're going to have these bright <clears throat> white wines out there, um, uh, and Assertico is part of that bright white wine family, right? That pairs really nicely with a white flaky fish. Mm. Um, I would say this is my new go-to wine when I'm serving. Some self shellfish, mm -hmm. uh, especially, especially when we do those, um, you know, iced uh, peel and eat shrimp that we enjoy so much on our <laughs> on our southern coast. I don't think you can go wrong when you're pairing this wine with some grilled chicken, you know. But the complexity of the wine, especially with its herbal undertones, uh, allows you to think broader. I think, and and for example, that that wine excess article that I quoted from earlier. 
you know, it suggests even pairing this wine with a, a lamb or a pork chop. Oh, yeah. I could definitely picture all of that tasting amazing. I could also think about it as, um, you know, if you just had a really basic white wine, butter, herby uh, pasta dish, that this would sound great. So even just something yes. without proteins would be delicious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as we wrap up our conversation today, I'm going to go back to the halloumi for a couple of moments um, <laughs> for a few more bites and sips. Yeah. And I'm going to join you because it's such a beautiful day for this wine and cheese pairing. Yo, yeah. A perfect summer afternoon to enjoy. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Thank you, Keith, for introducing us to this great wine value. 25 bucks a bottle. You can't beat it. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And join us again next week for episode three. Keith, what you got planned for us? Well, we're going to be staying in the old world for another exceptional white wine value. We're going to be drinking an excellent example of a Gruner Veltliner from Austria. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm excited. Can't wait. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and on Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers. <laughs>